an auditorium, um, an auditorium, a, a sheet stand like, like this one in the front. And on it, an open book. A basement furnished like a collection of grandmother's living rooms. All the chairs are facing a reading desk on one end. And on the desk, a vase with flowers and an open book. A grassy hill in spring with lawn chairs and picnic blankets facing a table with a white cloth and flowers. And on the table, an open book. A living room with a L-shaped sofa, a few chairs and some pillows on the ground. And on a coffee table, there's a teapot, a thermos with coffee, a tray with pieces of cake and a bowl of chips, and an open book. A large hall with tall walls and stained glass windows. Inside, rows of pews facing an altar with some things on it. A pair of tall candles, a pair of flower vases, and an open book. All of these different spaces and scenarios are places in which we, OIC, have gathered as a community of faith. Yet in all of them, very different from each other, in all of them, the open book has been the same. And it is the same today. As we talk about the things inside our space and time of gathering as a community of faith, as we have been talking of. We need to talk about this thing that has always been there. This book that we always open. Uh, these books that are one and many and are one. We need to talk about the Bible. If we're going to talk about the things we gather around as a community of faith, every Sunday, every Sunday we open the Bible and we read from the Bible. Every Sunday I tell you where I am reading from so that you can check on your own Bibles and, and see what's written there. That I didn't just come up with this stuff from my own head. Every Sunday, as we open it, we say that we will reflect and spend time with the Word of God. In many senses, whenever we gather, we gather around this Word. It is central to our fellowship, to our faith, and to our lives as we seek to live in faith. And this is not a new practice that we OIC came up with, right? This has been the way of the people of God through generations and generations and generations. The Bible itself, what, what we now call the Bible, right? 
uh, it witnesses to this grounding of our lived faith in what we sometimes call the Holy Scriptures. And throughout the Bible, we witnesses to it. But few places, I think, speak of the relationship to what came to be Holy Scriptures with the passion that the psalmist does in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible. And I want to read, I'm not going to read all of it, don't worry. I'm going to read just the very beginning. Uh, I want to read from verses 1 to 8 of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts. They are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. Now this is just a, this is just a small excerpt uh, from what is, as I said, the longest psalm in the book of Psalms. And throughout this poem, the psalmist speaks of and speaks with what we, from our perspective, would call Holy Scriptures. Uh, there was, of course, no such thing as a Bible at the time when this was written. Yeah. Much of what composes the Bible that we today hold in our hands hadn't been written yet. What the psalmist had was a collection of, of stories and precepts that were eventually integrated and, un, and organized under what we today know as the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Christian Bible that most of us are known, with, or, or, or known to, right? So for the psalmist, much of it is, is, a, is things that were passed on through oral tradition uh, and some few People had access to some scrolls, but it was for the psalmist, the word of God. It shaped the story of the psalmist's people, the people of the God of Israel. It shaped their identity as a people, and it provided for them the religious and legal framework within which they lived in this ancient world. The law of the Lord, they called it. And with this word, the psalmist talks, he converses. To this word, the psalmist goes to learn what it means to live a righteous life. And with this word, the psalmist struggles as he perceives his ways to not be steadfast, as he puts it, right? His life to not reflect the fullness of the goodness he sees in the precepts of the Lord. But what is fantastic about this text is that though the psalmist speaks about the scriptures, right? He speaks about the law of the Lord as, he's, as he calls it. It is to God that he speaks. And it is God's voice that he listens for 
in the word. And this brings me back to us with the Bible open as we gather. We hold the Bible as central as we do, not because we find it to be a particularly interesting and satisfying book, though it is a fantastic work of literature. But that's not why. <laughs> yeah. We keep the Bible open in our holy spaces because we believe that God somehow reveals himself through the scriptures. We keep it central in our fellowship and in our faith because we believe that God somehow reveals himself through it. The fact that we gather around the word in this way and that it has such a central place in our gathering is a powerful witness, in fact, to the God we believe in. It is a God who reveals himself. We do not believe in a God who creates and then withdraws. We believe in a God who speaks creation into being and then continues to speak to it and with it and within it. God reveals himself. But then, like the psalmist, we struggle with understanding what it means what it means to bring out this revelation of God through Scripture into lived life. <laughs> lived life and time and space. In this here and now that is so utterly different from the here and now of the psalmist, for instance. We struggle also with living out even that which we think we have understood. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in opening and obeying your decrees, cries the psalmist. And maybe we might cry, oh, that I could fully live out this life that Scripture somehow compels and inspires me to live. Oh, that I could live out this mercy that Jesus speaks of through the Gospels. Oh, that I could somehow Live this word. But there is more to the word of God. There is more to the word of God. And in my opinion, and this is no secret if you've been long enough in OIC, nobody puts it like John. John, the gospel writer, in the way he chooses to start telling the story. And he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. To those, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Out of his fullness we have all, I jumped a verse there, out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Our God is not only a God that speaks. God is a God that is intimately involved. Intimately involved. Involved to the point of speaking himself into flesh so that his revelation may be complete and may be among us. And so that he could take upon himself and into himself, into his body, our struggle to live out his life-giving will. And to take upon himself and into himself the many ways in which we instead get entangled with the ways of death. In verse 25 and 26 of Psalm 119, the psalmist says, I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life in according to your word. I gave an account of my ways and you answered me. Jesus is the embodied revelation and answer of precisely that. Jesus is God preserving our lives in accordance to his word, in accordance to himself and his revelation. It is God answering to the account of our ways and providing a path for us to join him in his ways. Scriptures in Christ are intimately connected, not only because the Bible speaks about Jesus, but because both are the revelation of God to his people in the midst of his direct involvement in their life and salvation. God is a God who reveals himself. He is a God who is intimately involved and he is a God who invites us into his story. Who sets things in, in a context 
a context in which his continuous work of revelation and redemption can envelop us. If John 1 provides us in a way with this theological merge between the word as the revelation of God in the scriptures and the word as the revelation of God in Jesus Christ and above everything else in Jesus Christ, Luke provides us with the narrative form. The the experience of this coming together in the context of place, time, and senses. And and the place for this narrative uh, that Luke brings us is is the road to Emos. I mentioned it just a couple of weeks back. The road to Emos. And, and the time when this happens is right after that Easter in which Jesus had been killed. And the senses are all engaged, right? Listening, seeing, tasting, Sweating, breathing, smelling. The disciples, they had, they had just witnessed their Lord crucified. They had seen him hanging on a cross. They had smelled the blood and tasted their own tears. They have sensed the despair in their stomach. And they don't know what to do. And two of them are walking towards Emos, a village about an hour, an hour and a half walk from Jerusalem. They're walking and they're talking about what they had just witnessed. And they're trying to process. Talking like a friend talks to a friend of a deep loss. And as they walk, a stranger, they think, (laughs) joins them. And this stranger asks them, why do you look so gloomy? What's going on? Why do you look so anguished? And they say, where have you been? (laughs) Haven't you been? Aren't you coming from Jerusalem? Didn't you see what happened? Don't you know that Jesus was crucified? I don't know if you follow him, but you heard about him, right? Jesus, the wandering rabbi who was healing people, who was teaching Don't you know that the Romans crucified him? And we thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the one. We thought this was when everything would change. And all we're left with now is this gut-wrenching feeling of despair. And now, now these women came saying that they went to the tomb and that he's not there. And that he rose from the dead. I mean, what, what are we supposed to even do with this kind of information? 
they tell this stranger. And now I read from verse 25 in chapter 24 of Luke. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus, for it was him, continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And here, scriptures and Christ merge in the experience of these bewildered disciples who suddenly understand themselves within this story. Suddenly, they are a part of God's redemptive act in history. Suddenly, they are witnesses to his revelation to the world. Suddenly, the word is ingested. It's broken, open to be eaten. That is the mystery, right? Mystery of revelation. And we, as people of God who gather around this word so often, we, we gather in this same mystery of a God who reveals himself in time and space in history. Word is for us God's revelation through his Son, Jesus Christ and through scriptures. And when we gather the way we do on this Sunday afternoon with this open Bible, this open book on the altar or on the table in a basement or on the coffee table in our home, when we gather As people of Christ, we bear witness to the world, yes, but also to ourselves, that God is God and that he reveals himself and that he is directly involved with creation and with his people throughout history, that he is directly involved with us. We witness that Christ is God, the living 
word that breathes meaning and life into all of it onto us. And that he both fulfilled the revelation of God being God himself and opened to us this participation in God's fellowship. And that's why we do it. Because Christ is with us. Because on the days in which we open it and we don't know what to do with it, and we meet parts of it that we don't know what to do with, and on the ways, on the days in which we open and it goes straight into our hearts, on both days, we believe that God is with us, that he is a God who did not create and withdraw. It's a thing inside. <laughs> a thing inside our buildings, a thing inside our phones. <laughs> yeah. But for us, it's a thing inside our hearts. Christ with us. The word became flesh. Or as Eugene Peterson translates it, the word moved into the neighborhood. It moved into where we are. And decided to stay there. Made his dwelling. Pitched a tent. Made his bed sat on the table, sat on the floor with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May you know that he is gracious towards you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you to the reality of your life, to your days and nights, and may he bring you peace. So go in the peace of the living word, Jesus Christ, and serve the Lord and the world joyfully.